Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out today, and we review them. Sure which is do. A, it's an original thought we just had. <laughs> Nobody else Let's has done this before. Let's just try for the first time today. The, most, for a lot of the time when we did this podcast, yeah. we would just silently read them. <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, you know what? Let's use these mics. And say some things. Yeah. Wow. There was also that period of time where you go into the comic book store and say, well, there's a comic. There it is. These things seem fun. Yeah. But we... Uh, we took time, a risk. We opened them. We opened them. We read we them. We had some thoughts about them. And we're going to hit them you with them right now. Kicking it off with DC Comics Event Leviathan number six. Oh, yeah. This is the last issue of Brian Michael Bendis' big event, uh, revealing... Finally, the That's identity. the last issue? This is the last issue? Yes. Do you know what the hint was? The end where they said, the end of the story for now, but follow it into Action Comics? Fine. Yeah. I hate yeah. when they do it was, You don't like to read the words at the end. I yes. don't. You've already read the words at the beginning, <laughs> the title, and then all the character words, dialogue. Yeah. Um, why words at the end, I say? I definitely agree. But let's talk about the words in the middle of the book where we did finally find out the identity of Leviathan, the man who has destroyed all of the spy organizations in the DC universe. Everybody's been trying to figure out who he is. And we finally found out. Here's your spoiler. I'm I'm infuriated. I've been a Mark Shaw fanatic (laughs) for fucking ever. Now, my hero, my hero, my Superman is a villain, a Somewhat robotic villain? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so. Well, one real, thing wait, I've... wait, real quick. Since you're such a super fan, who's Mark Shaw? He is obviously the original Manhunter. Right. Okay. Uh, everybody knows. Everybody that. knows that. Okay. Yeah. Right. And what I I will what say. What were some I... of your favorite qualities about Mark <laughs> Shaw? Uh, Mark Shaw. Yeah. I mean, he as the man. Um, yeah. But he, but what well, he was part of a, a team of uh, the original Green Lanterns, technically. Yeah, no, uh, I read that in the comic. Uh, I'm no, asking for new that's information. That's a fact. Here's the thing, though, yeah. he wasn't. 
Yeah, but he hunt, hunted men. <laughs> so here's, uh, they do a couple of things in this book, and maybe I'm not 100% up on my DC continuity, but there is the Green Lantern villains who are called Manhunters, who yes. are robots in space. Straight up robots. They were what the Guardians built before they decided, hey, you know what, this robots thing is a bad idea, let's get human beings, and they formed the Green Lantern Corps. It's like if we on Earth were like, we should have robot police officers, and then we're like, wait a second, they don't. They don't can't think. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> idea. We should have humans do it. Right. Because they started killing everybody. Yeah. But the Manhunter characters yeah. who have uh, been since then have nothing to do with those Manhunters. No. They have as much to do as Martian Manhunter has to do with Ooh. any of them, which is nothing at all. But so it, this is a retcon here. Yes, and it's, it's combining them because yeah. uh, the Mark Shaw Leviathan uh, amalgam, I guess you could say, has um, is part robot, I guess. I mean, we don't really define it. Yeah, he has Manhunter tech. Yeah. But they also say like, oh, they were inspired by the Manhunters and they've always had Manhunter tech, which I don't think is true. No. But that's fine. That's a retcon. Uh, let's talk about the overall mystery of this book because they did tease at the beginning. You could definitely figure out who it is from reading the book. Is that true? Nope. I I mean, I will say it was, we, we speculated that it was an original, that was one of the things we had Yeah, I about. think so. Uh, Nobody it, listened back to our podcast to check, yeah, but we definitely Yeah, please don't check did. that, but we nailed it. No way. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was surprising that Manhunter, the uh, hero created by uh, Greg Rucka, I want to say. I think or, it was Greg Rucka. Anyway, or no, Mark and Draco. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, was part of this. Uh, right. So I think that was a fun re- uh, that was maybe the clue they're talking about. Yeah, I I feel the same way at the end of this book as I did at the beginning, which is this is the point they should have gotten to in the first issue. Yeah. The wow. end of the first issue should have been, here's who Mark Shaw is, he's revealed, now we know who Leviathan is, let's get fucking rolling. Because yeah. what's way more interesting to me is the fact that he created this enormous organization and had enough power to take down every spy organization in the DC universe rather than his identity. To me, his identity is the least interesting thing. The place that we leave things is far more interesting. Especially when it's not a major hero, which is something they teased throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing. Yeah. The, and, uh, that's not what we And want. I right. did <laughs> like how, like, you know, they, they jumped Manhunter, uh, you know, the character because of her staff and like they were like, that oh, was man. Cool. And then she was like, oh, they're not going to believe me. Fuck it. And she tried to fight her way out. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Overall, this is well written. It's very well drawn. The action sequences are very nice. Yep. I appreciate that it's trying to pivot it to being a Lois Lane superhero, uh, not yeah. a superhero series, but a Lois Lane series and saying that ultimately she gets to do the killing blow against Manhunter. Yeah, that's great. But I want to see what they're doing next. This feels like a stopgap to whatever the bigger story is, which is going to be, I presume, that Leviathan threatens to reveal the truth about Superman's identity, and ultimately Superman doesn't want better by doing it himself. Uh, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. I thought this was a fun event. It was a little bit of a letdown on the reveal, but I thought they did a really good job of like keeping things interesting with each issue. Weirdly, despite the fact that it didn't really follow up in my mind from anything much, uh, I like the reveal. Like, I think actually Mark Shaw is a good choice for this character. It's good. Believe me, me too, because like I said, I'm crazy about him and all (laughs) of the like men he's hunted and the other Mm -hmm. stuff he's done. And the other stuff. Watch out, boy. He'll chew you up. 
Next one. He's not a man eater. Oh, yeah. he's a man yeah. hunter. He's a man hunter. Yeah, Watch out, boy. He'll feel you up. Yeah. That's not. No. Why uh, would you say that? What do hunters that? do? They feel up deer. Oh, my God. What that? <laughs> That's what you're implying? Yeah. Yeah. I it's a so. real. I've it's a weird hunting. hobby. I've it's a weird hunting, hobby. But uh, I did meet a hunter once, and he said he molested a deer, and <laughs> I believed him. Well, That's why it's called a hunting blind, because you're not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> oh no, you don't want anybody to see what you're doing. <laughs> Next one to talk about, Squirrel Girl number 50 from Marvel Comics is the final issue of the run by Ryan North. This felt like a final issue. <laughs> it was, Nailed in it. fact, a final issue. True. Huge, if true. Uh, this is the end of Ryan North's run. Uh, he completely redefined the character. Uh, this has been one of my favorite series through all of its iterations, and they even have a joke about it on the cover where they say, only our second 50th issue this yeah. year. Uh, so it's been through a lot of renumbering, but this is, like we talked about years ago at this point, one of the densest reads out there and the biggest bang for your buck, I think, because there's wow. so much going on in terms of jokes and heart. There's little jokes on the bottom that Love he writes, that. Uh, little footnotes. Uh, and I felt like it ended in a very heartfelt and smart way that was true to the series. How did you guys feel? About uh, I think Ryan is a great writer. I loved his work on Adventure Time back in the day, one of my favorite comics. So yeah. funny, but also includes like... Real ideas, like a philosophy for the characters, uh, actual heart, like you're saying. Um, it, it was fun. Yeah. And I'm not a crazy squirrel girl guy. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I think that this issue in particular really did a great job of summing up everything that's great about Squirrel Girl. And uh, such a cool, powerful ending. Uh, it just shows the power that one person can have over others. And it's... It's really, uh, it's beautiful, and the art is so fantastic. Uh, I was really impressed with this. You think Galactus' friendship with her will continue? Well, I was going to say, there's a really interesting metatextual thing that happens there where Ryan North writes this conversation between Galactus and Squirrel Girl uh, where they're like, hey, things are going to be different after this. Yeah. Right? You're probably not going to see me for a while, which the underscoring is there that whoever writes Squirrel Girl next, if there is another Squirrel Girl series, is not going to hit things in the same way, is not going to have Galactus and Squirrel Girl hang out on the moon and have a conversation. Well, and maybe even a bigger point, whoever's writing a big crossover with Galactus trying to threaten the Earth is not going to be like, Iron Man, I'm going to kill the Earth. What up, Squirrel Girl? How you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. Remember us? Yeah, exactly. And it's that, to me, was the saddest part is, hey, we're going to say goodbye to this fun for now. You're not yeah. going to see this fun, uh, which is a huge bummer. But I'm glad that it existed, and I'm glad it will continue to exist in trades. Let's right. move on to a Boom Studios book, Folklords, number one. Oh, yeah. Now, in this first issue, this takes place in a fantasy world where everybody, as they come of age, needs to declare and then go on a quest. Uh, one kid dresses in a suit which is very weird to everybody, and says, I'm going to find the Folklords, the legendary Folklords. He's been having dreams of another world, which seems very like our world. Uh, And by the end, this isn't too much of a spoiler, he ends up kicking off that quest. What do you think about this first issue? I thought uh, the art was fantastic. Really sets up this cool world. Uh, A lot of fun, creative characters. I, I think this is a great first issue, setting up what it's going to be about, how it's going to move forward. And I thought the ferry boat guy was my favorite character. Very underserved. 
but I'm hoping for more. The troll. Yeah. Yeah, the ferry boat was a very Mike Mignola design, yeah. I thought, which was interesting. How'd you feel about the book, Justin? I liked it a lot. Um, it's fun if you're a fan of Harry Potter. I think this is a good sort of comic to get into. Uh, feels like we're going to see a great uh, series of quests, um, uh, authoritarian regime. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it's uh, if Pete showed up wearing a suit, I would be just as surprised as the mm-hmm. characters. Well, I, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to aspire to to you know like be a businessman or something. You know, like suit. Uh, not all uh, people that yeah. wear suits are not just businessmen. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm I just saying, say, like you're you're expiring you're aspiring to have a day job. You know, and I like I work a day job, and I'm like. Hey, man, you know, I think you should go on a different quest. So if you had to wear an aspirational outfit, what would it be? <laughs> like, if you were like, I'm going to wear what I want to be doing, dress uh, for the job I want, mm, hit me with that. What, uh, a mascot? You're probably a mascot, yeah. Nailed it. We've yeah, never discussed that before. Yeah. I just knew <laughs> some sort of hot no, dog, actually, I did hot that dog one time. costume. Yeah, I just did that one time. It's not as, as fun as it looks. Yeah, you got punched. It's a lot of work. You got punched in the... Uh, Nuts. No. No, I didn't. Huh. It's just hot in those suits, man. Hot in the suits. Hot suits. Next one to talk about, speaking of some hot suits, from Marvel Comics X-Men number two. Hot suits. Oh, boy. This (laughs) is quite the issue. This book, like... Oh, just finished reorganizing the X-Men canon. <laughs> Crazy ideas, huge swings. And then in the second issue, it, you get this. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, remember that crazy island? We're still figuring it out. Yeah. Guess what? This island's fucking an other <laughs> island full of weirder shit than you've ever even thought of before. Yeah. yeah. This is what's crazy about this issue to me. So the plot of this issue is... Uh, Cyclops hears that uh, Arako, I believe, which yeah. is the not exactly evil, a but rook. the dark yeah. version of Krakoa, the island that all the mutants live on, is heading into our universe, headed towards Krakoa. They're it, on a collision the, course. No, 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 it, appeared, it appeared, and then Krakoa is was moving toward uh, yeah. a rook. Right. So Cyclops is like, hey, my children, who I now refer to as my children. All Wait, very weird. And the yeah. whole issue Cyclops hey, is like, kids. hey, son, let's go do this. Hey, uh, it's, it's better, so it's, it's better uh, than just walking in and being like, hey, dudes. I mean, that's kind of... Well, here, oh, you're defending Cyclops. Over no, no, no. Here. Pete is making fun of me because I explained that I refer to my kids as dudes. That's cool. Sometimes. You're a very internet person, though, aren't I you? I am. I'm very online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cyclops grabs uh, young Cable and Rachel Summers heads He's down... He's just Cable now. Uh, is he? The old know. Cable's dead. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, sure, he is Cable. Uh, cable uh, and Rachel Summers... would you want to be... If I was like young Alex, you'd be like... Nice. You can't say that to young like, Alex. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> there was a younger version of him. Yeah. I look haggard right now. Yeah. So Who, don't you dare. Oh, you look you. great. Thank you. Top of your game. The, really? Just the right color skin. It's like a fun, <laughs> that, uh, nice rosy, pustual yellow. Yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. looks you're like, like a rosy yellow since five o'clock this morning. That's yeah. true. Uh, now, so they head down to this island. They end up in a tussle. Uh, what I thought was the craziest about this book, beyond the concepts that they're throwing in there, is that it was a mix of like Michael Bay action one-liners, yeah, and classic Jonathan Hickman black and white person summoning monsters, yep. throwing out crazy concepts, yeah, mm-hmm. and the two do not gel at all, no, but it's still an amazing read at the same time. And so it's these, so insane. It's kind of upsetting how insane it is. It's not upsetting. It's wild. I, I, you got to give it up to Jonathan Hickman once again for being like, 
I'm pushing through I'm, this. I'm barely grasping what's happening now, and then you're going to have fucking islands, and then, like, weird... Again, Pete hates islands, as we've yes, established. And he doesn't want islands fucking each other. Because you know what they're going to make? More islands. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's a what, problem. By the way, that's, that is 100% what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Krakoa's pregnant. Got to make more mutants yep. and islands. Yeah, well, Krakoa just, is a mutant. I mean, come on. Like, okay, great. You're changing things up. Cool. I'm going to try to adjust to this new insanity. And then you're going to have island fucking and then weird monsters. So what I actually appreciate about this, as wild as it was, is it's looping back to a plot point from House of X, Powers of Ten, where we very quickly sped past this idea that... Apocalypse raised the original four horsemen of Apocalypse from this uh, island, Araco. And that was just sort of like a blip, a footnote that they're yeah. like, oh, by the way, this happened in the past. Don't worry about it right now. That and was, we've never met those four horsemen. Exactly. Yeah. So we're looping back to that. And by the end of the issue, this is where we end up. We get a sense that Apocalypse is way more tied to this island, this dark island that's escaped from the darkness yeah. than... Uh, the uh, Krakoa and the rest of the mutants. Creepiest hug of all time. Well, and I love that. I love yeah. that because, like... Of course you do. That gi- well, that gives us a sense of... We're starting to get adversaries worked in again. Yeah. I weirdly felt very uncomfortable with the status quo of everybody being on the same side. So now that we know that Apocalypse is like... Up to something. Exactly. I, of course Apocalypse is up to something. It's great. I also think the weirdest part for me in this book was the Cyclops... Uh, Phoenix cable relationship like this instant fatherhood that like Rachel and Scott have been equals and they're like the same age. Yeah. Uh, Cable was a father figure almost to Cyclops and now is his is much younger. He's acting oddly as well. Like their whole relationship. I was like, what are we doing here? It, It and it feels intentional. Yes. It feels like it's an action movie. I still do suspect there's some brain tampering going on with all yeah. of the egg reincarnation and everything. Also kind of crazy is how tightly the continuity is being woven yeah. mm-hmm. that at the end of X-Force number one, Charles Xavier is assassinated. They seem to be sticking with that. Big time. Which is nuts. And both the books we're talking about this week, it's all over about that. Yeah, which is crazy that they have not brought him back because you would have thought... Given that there's always wait in line, he's, got, yep. he's coming back. It's he's waiting line. He's got to wait for end his golden line. At, uh, Lollipop yeah, we got to bring back a couple more pyros and a few blobs, and then we'll, oh, be, we'll yeah. get to Charles Xavier yeah. after. Plus, that. you know those blob eggs are much larger; it takes longer <laughs> to make them. It's oh man, I made a blob egg omelet the other day. Oh, so good, so good. I Put mean, a little parsley on there. It feeds all color. the dudes, right? <laughs> it feeds all, feeds my all dudes. your dudes. Feeds all my little dudes. Let's move on. Talk about another DC comic book, Far Sector Number. One, I love this book. Yeah, this I thought cool. it was so good. So this is the idea. Of this book is a new Green Lantern is sent to the absolute farthest sector possible. So far that it may not even have a number uh, to investigate. Rookie, you got to send the rookie to the new place. Send the rookie yeah. Yeah. and send the sent rookie. to. It's not exactly a planet. It's a, con- a conglomeration of three different planets where they've had the first murder that they've had in centuries at this yeah. point. So nobody knows how to deal with it. What I loved about this book was not only was it stuffed full of sci-fi weirdness, but there's so many little interesting plots and ideas that are peppered in and uh, things about this Green Lantern that we don't know yet. It's a great launch for a series. Yeah, a hell of a first issue. Art's fantastic. We get like a very cool, creative character and like uh, it's... 
you don't know who's the bad guy yet. I think it's uh, it's really well done. I'm excited to. I don't like Green Lantern, but I'm excited to read this more. Uh, yeah, the Young Animal line I feel like is really good, and this is uh, part of that. It's interesting though. Technically, isn't a, a Green Lantern from the region that they're so. I have a sense this is getting into spoiler territory, but there's a quick flashback scene where we see her getting her ring, but we don't yeah. see who gives her her ring right. or so anything like that. Up. Something is up. And they tell her, you have a year to prove yourself to make this work. That's not how the Green Lantern... Well, that's what well, I'm saying is I think she's not actually a Green Lantern. Oh, uh, nice. That could be very cool. I also thought maybe they had to go because the Green Lantern powers will based and the alien races there have given up their emotions so they might not have the same uh, sense of will yeah. that would power a Green Lantern ring. Uh, potentially. There's there's a lot of possibilities there. We see some yeah. weirdness with a ring where a weird being pops up at one point. Yeah. Uh, they're in a ship and they say, hey, can't you just fly? And she's like, I don't want to right now. Yeah, that was a lie. Yes, which is definitely lying. So there's something going on with her ring. There's something that we don't know yet. It could just be a ring, and a I regular get, ring. I I have a ring too. Do you think it might be me too? Um, uh, my wedding ring gives me certain powers. Ooh. Certain powers? <laughs> yeah, not dating other people is one of them. <laughs> uh, so great kickoff. Isn't Let's it? talk about another number one issue. Getting back to the X Men line, Fallen Angels number one. This is focusing on. Well, she's called Psylocke now. Psylocke. But it's Quanon. Well, we already have a Psylocke. No, we don't. We no, have, she, no, but so there was Betsy Braddock and right. there was Quanon, and we're, they were one being. They separated. Betsy Braddock is now the new Captain Britain. Can't uh, they just make it easier on us? Like, why yeah. do they have to make things extra fucking complicated? Welcome to the X-Men. Hope Jesus you survive H. the experience. Also, it's not that more, much more complicated than any other shit. That is in any comic book. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying like they could try to make things a little bit more reader friendly. That that's not like what is a, a a simple comic book character that is like super easily defined right now that you're like this this is easy. I don't know, man. I'm just saying that yeah, but like, you, it's that's so what I'm saying. fucking complicated. Even your Punisher, your precious Punisher, yeah. who is like we'll oh talk he's about easy, soon enough. he's easy. He just has guns and he shoots people. But it's like, no, he fought in Vietnam, um, sort of, and then he was the Punisher before his family was killed, but not really because that's what triggered him to have his family killed. He was, for, he was for a time a Frankenstein monster that was sewn back together, and then he killed people I get and it. then was brought I get back it. Yeah. over time. Also, now people he's in doing... Russia and also in space, yeah. killing trolls. He once fought Archie. <laughs> and I think Archie won. No. Yeah, Archie crushed him. No, Archie fucking so killed him. Killed him. No way. Killed him. Ripped yeah. his skull open no and way. wore it to school. It was the like, hey, Betty, how do you like me now? <laughs> he went back to school. <laughs> he became the quarterback of the Riverdale football team. <laughs> that I believe. The and Punisher? he was like, Archie, you've always been better than me. <laughs> that's what he said. No, you didn't read that. was the last line of the comic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the last line. And then Archie read. said, hey, yeah. you know what? Why don't you take your family to a picnic this weekend? Oh, Wink. That's where it all went oh, fucking oh, down. Yeah. And that's our review of Fallen Angels <laughs> number one for Marvel Comics. So this is uh, Quanon, who is now Psylocke. She's teaming up uh, with X-23. And I like that. Cable. Young, young Cable. Yep. Teenage Cable. Teenage, teenage Cable. <laughs> uh, and they're going after a god thing or something. Uh, this is, I will say, my least favorite of the launches so far. Well, it doesn't, it didn't give, so many of the other books give us a sort of a mission statement, and this felt like 
we didn't really get that. What I like about it is it's, it feels like maybe the weirdest um, uh, yes. thing. Yes, and that's saying a lot. Right. Um, it, it seems like their whole thing is like they are the team that's off of Krakoa secretly, yeah. like breaking the rules, doing fucked up stuff. But yeah. we also Dealing learned... with mystical enemies maybe more so. Sure. It like, just doesn't seem... Each of them are so specifically tied so far to a different aspect of the society. Yeah. This, to me, feels like, yes, this is a X-Men book, which right. is yeah. fine. But it's also a fine X-Men book, Great representation. That felt like Magneto. Like, that was like a real Magneto. Magneto brooding. Yeah, a lot of close-ups on his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Just like him in the throne in the dark. Okay, that's Magneto. Like, Do you think Magneto has metallic fillings? And is he always like, oh, shit, uh, don't, don't mess with that? He probably wears a retainer. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. Magneto does have adult braces. <laughs> no one talks about it, but he does. Uh, I, I, I didn't think this His was... His helmet is I actually this a, a issue. Nightclub. I thought it was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was happy to have some people being like, hey, let's get off the fucking island. Let's go have some adventures. Can let's you not, hate islands? Yeah. Let's not just sit here in this fake paradise that everybody's being lied to. Real paradise. Yeah. No, it's fake. It's like that new movie, Fantasy Island. Pete, when you go on vacation, like to hypothetically Hawaii, are you yeah. like something's fucked up about this place? <laughs> why is all that? Why is everyone dancing? Huh? Everyone what? seems to be having fun and drinking mai tais. I don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Talk about Reaver number five from Image Comics. We've been really enjoying the series. Good, uh, intense. Gross fantasy series. Yes. All of our heroes have gotten captured by the bad guys, and they figure out sort of a plan to break out this issue. Uh, Pete, you're a fan of this, right? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, love the over-the-top violence. A lot of kind of cool action stuff here. We get the berserker giant kind of like plowing his way through the castle. It's it's good good fun. I thought for sure he was going to die. Yeah, me it looked too. Like there was an arrow through his helmet into he, his brain. Yeah. Eh, but he's, he's fine. fine. Yeah. He's good. We're only on the fifth issue. Yeah. Well, the next issue ends this arc. Mm. And then there will be another arc, according to the back Presumably. page. Uh, that's great, because this felt like a, a one-off Ocean's Eleven type uh, comic. But it seems like we're going to get everyone's favorite and Ocean's Twelve. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe. With any luck, fingers crossed, we're going to make it to Ocean's 13. Uh, definitely. I, I like this comic. I think the art's fantastic. A lot of interesting characters, which I appreciate. And you love meat puppets. Yeah. There's nothing like a good meat puppet. Uh, love one. I, uh, do you ever go by the stand in Times Square that gives out meat puppets? Oh, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Morbius, number one from Marvel Comics, bringing back everybody's favorite living vampire mm. to fight the Melter, everybody's favorite villain. Yeah. And Pace Pop Pete, but with <laughs> attitude. But like hot. Yeah. Edgy. Hot, hot Pot paste, Pete. Pace, yeah, Hot Pot Pete. Uh, that's what we call you as well. No, he's right? Neddy Puppy. Oh, he's <laughs> oh, okay. He loves a clean sinus. That yeah. explains what's going on between takes on this podcast. Uh, what did you think about Morbius? Are you a fan of Morbius? I like Morbius, all right. It's yep. weird because his origin was like a doctor with a weird blood disease somehow cures himself and 
coincidentally becomes a vampire. Yeah. It doesn't because it's an like origin right there. Well, boy. it's like he cures his blood disease, but he must crave blood. Also, he can have the psychic thing that other vampires have, but it's unrelated to blood, but he has that also. <laughs> and he can be out in the sun and he's alive, not dead. <laughs> that's that's the part that always holds me up is the living vampire yeah, thing. Like, why do you have to like, say living vampire? Uh, it's just like he's just a vampire. It's okay. Well, but I think he's living because he has that gives him the carrot to always try to find the cure because he's not sure. dead yet. Yeah. Yes. Now, vampires, when the vampire's dead, it's like, it's over. Yeah. Might as well just suck blood. And- not dead yet. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what do you think about this, Pete? Uh, I think it's it's fun. It's, you know, it's a little weird at the end. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Morbius. And, um, yeah, I thought this was fun. If I was excited uh, with where, where it started with uh, just like violent kind of taking people down for not being where they're supposed to be, which is cool. But then it was more about like he's trying to cure himself, which I was like, man, you know, you got to appreciate who you are and where you are, you know? Oh, if you are a vampire, just stay a vampire. Yeah, you know, just live your best vampire life, you know? <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Stop yeah. trying to be something you're not. Uh, one thing uh, that's only tangentially related to this, and I t- anytime I see like a piece of art online uh, that's um, drawn by Mobius, I always imagine this guy. <laughs> you imagine more and I'm always like, that's not him. <laughs> but that is what I think wow. every time. Wow. Uh, Fun fact. Next one to talk about. This is from DC Comics, but it's part of the Hill House horror line from Joe Hill. Oh, this is boy. just edited by him. Uh, but this is the Dollhouse family, number one. It comes from the team of M.R. Carey and Peter Gross, who have done some amazing books, including, oh my God, Unwritten. That's the name of the book. That's yes. what I was looking for, among many, oh, many yeah, other I love things. That book. This book, I almost hesitate to go into spoilers here, uh, but it is about a little girl. She lives in a house with her mom and her Man. mom's boyfriend, who is abusive. Oh. She gets a dollhouse. We get flashes back in time to something that seemingly will eventually connect up with what's going on with this dollhouse. Some weird, nasty stuff happens there, and things get even darker by the end. I love this book. Yeah, I know it's only uh, edited by Joe Hill, but it feels as the same tension and um, uh, dread that uh, that Lock and Key does. So I thought it was I thought it was fun. Yeah, and with the house, it definitely has a yeah. bit of a connection there. But it does feel a lot like... M.R. Carey and Peter Gross's work as well. It's very consistent with that. It's a thought-out world. There's clearly a mythology behind everything that's going on, even though we don't understand it yet, uh, but very cool. Pete, you seem a little unsure. Yeah, this is pretty creepy. Um, uh, Dollhouses freak me out. So uh, I don't know, man. I did like the ending. You say you didn't want to spoil it, so that made me very happy. Great. All right, let's move on to one that maybe you liked a little better. The Punisher Soviet, number one. The Punisher is heading to Russia. Not yet. Not yet. But he's eventually heading to Russia. You don't know that. Uh, The big headline here is is Garth Ennis back on The Punisher. Uh, This is a very different Punisher that we've had for a little while, which has been the more superhero inflected. This is him just going around, shooting dudes and killing them. Pete. How'd you feel? Nice new take on the Punisher. Ah, it's just, there's not. It's like putting on your favorite hoodie. You know, it's comfortable. But it's made out of human skin. Oh, what the fuck, man! I mean, that's the Punisher. It just Gun feels. It, uh, it feels right. You know, when Garth Ennis is steering the ship, you just you feel good. You know, so I'm happy to see what's going on. It's a little bit of like Punisher's kind of like who's doing my job for me. This is confusing. And then we got a kind of fun reveal. So I'm very interested to see 
where this goes. I and mean, it's a solid first issue. Uh, yeah. I mean, who's not going to pick this up? Why is the Punisher such an asshole? What are you know. talking about? Wait, the dude, he, he has a guy. That, I'll tell you what, if, you know, and I hope this doesn't happen to you, but no, if your family Just gets, don't say this. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. But if things that happen to him happen to you, you probably wouldn't be as nice as you are. No, that's fine. I think he maybe could go through some morning, a mourning process. But the, Yeah, I think therapy helps a lot of people, but, you know, he's uh, doing yeah, what or he can. Even if he doesn't need to go to the therapy, if he doesn't want to go to therapy, he can just, like, think about it a little bit. <laughs> Take a second. You know, go on a little vacation. But there's this guy the problem who, is he's really good at this one thing, you know? That doesn't mean he needs to do it all the time. Well, it, may, it brings him joy. Yeah, I'm good at knocking stuff out of people's hands, but I'd be an <laughs> asshole if I did that all the time. Yeah, you would, but, you know, hopefully something doesn't drive you to that, you know? Can I'm we a, talk about the end of the issue? Can we talk about the reveal there? Because uh, sure. uh, they uh, reveal what I think is the Yakov Smirnov of Punishers? Is that correct? What? Because yeah. it's a Russian Punisher, so we're going to get, like, the Punisher Frank Castle be like, this is how we do it in America. And then Russian uh, Punishers will be like, in Russia, guns shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> that's Which the, I'm very excited that's about. That's the character we've all been waiting for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think the Punisher, the this guy that gets sort of blown up, he, like, calls his family. Like, he's just a dick about it. And then does he kill that guy? Yeah, yeah, presumably. Yeah, well, that's not necessary. I don't know. What are you talking about? Didn't need to do that. The Punisher is the definition live, of not necessary. Once he introduced a guy's family, that's the whole thing that happened to him is his family got killed, and he goes and kills a guy with the family. Yeah, Punisher is just making he more didn't Punishers. He kill his family. He, like, he, he called them the for leverage. That's not cool. <laughs> no, it's not. If I called your family for leverage on you, you'd be like, don't do that. Yeah, I'd be really upset about it. I'm the Punisher. Let <laughs> us move on. Talk about Boom Studios' Hellmouth number two. This is continuing the crossover between Buffy and Angel. Buffy and Angel are heading through hell to try to stop Drusilla from bringing hell to Earth. That's where we are in this issue. Um, I think this continues to be fun. I like the interplay between Buffy and Angel. I know we've been a little back and forth about these series, but how'd you feel about this issue? I did like the their relationship feels like the strongest part of this for me, and yeah. I like that they're now on a journey and specifically going through something, and it's not like parsing who's who and like, oh, here's what I know about Drusilla. It's like them actually being active and maybe starting a little romance. That was fun. Yeah. Pete? Yeah, I felt like uh, it's nice to see them back in action. Um, yeah, uh, it kind of gets a little fucked up with uh, what's going on, but I, I definitely uh, enjoy this series, and I feel like it's going to be even better moving forward. Over back to DC Comics, The Batman's Grave, number two. This is from Warren oh, Ellis man. and Brian Hitch. Now, at the end of the last issue, Batman found a dude under a bed. We pick up right there. Right there! You love that. Oh, so happy. No so words satisfying. necessary. Uh, man, another great issue of the series. The art is just phenomenal. Oh, my God. I it's mean, so Brian Hitch is always so good. creepy. The dude's so creepy. What This is, like, it seems kind of obvious to say Brian Hitch draws a good action sequence because, yeah. of course, he does. But I think the way that Warren Ellis scripts it out, and I think he's even talked about mostly he kind of steps back and lets Brian Hitch do his thing. But... The way that it's blocked out here as they yeah. tumble through this building and destroy this room is amazing. What he does, I think, is in a lot of action sequences, you sort of get like snapshots 
um, of like the moments in it. The characters seem frozen. The way that Hitch does it, it feels like you're just like blinking and watching a, a movie or something because yeah. the characters feel so fluid and it feels like the action is actually happening and it's not poses. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and the, the writing is so good. The Alfred Bruce Wayne scene in later on oh is God. so There's good. There's a scene right towards the middle after Batman finishes off this mystery and I'm fascinated to see what the structure of the series is going to be because so far we had a mystery in the first issue that was solved, spilled over into the second issue, seems to be tied up, and then it seems like they begin a new mystery halfway through the issue. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be like these done-in-one mysteries that keep having cliffhangers, or or done-in-two, I guess, or if they're ended up all be connected or something like that. But halfway through the issue, Batman gets home, and Alfred got drunk the night before. Yeah. And Alfred's like, uh, my body is hurting, and Bruce Wayne is like, my body is hurting. And they both smile at each other. When's the last time so we sweet. saw Batman smile? That is good. It it's was great. Yeah, just great. Uh, also, I just it was the the way the art portrays like how creepy this dude is that's been living in the floorboards. Just like uh, you know, when Batman's fighting the Joker, it's like scary and you're worried about what's going to happen. But this dude, like the way he was drawn, creeped me out so much. I was like, Batman, shower. Just, like, get this dude off of you. Like, this is, like... Wait, shower? Is that what you said? He just seemed so creepy and <laughs> oh, weird okay. that, yeah. like... He was, like, a jumpy clown. Yeah, like, he, like, was holding the side of Batman's face, and I was just like, holy fuck, this guy's creepy. Yeah, I agree. He's the dollhouse of human beings. It's just a shame that Alfred is dead. Yeah, that is too bad. Dude, what the fuck, man? In the main continuity, Alfred. Yeah, yeah. I know. Right. Alfred like, Pennyworth is dead. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's fucked up and sad. And the way you just casually brought that up is like... It's just part of just a true thing. I didn't say it just to uh, aggravate you. I mean, this book's called Batman's Grave. The rest of the Batman books should be called Alfred's Grave. Oh, Ooh, that's a great oh, idea. That's really good. Man. Next one to talk about from Image Comics, Sea you of Stars, number five. This is by Jason Aaron and, De- Jason Aaron and Dennis Hallam. Uh, this is about a young boy and his father who gets separated in space. The boy seems to have some sort of powers that everybody is trying to harness. The father does not have those powers and has a rapidly breaking down spacesuit as he's tracking down his son. Yeah. In this issue, they get closer to each other than ever before, and things change once again. Another series that's great every issue out of the gate. Yeah, this really is- good. It feels like Fear Agent but not mm-hmm. quite as bleak. Yes. Um, like yeah. if Fear Agent had a sun yeah. and it's yeah. like nice a little bit. Yeah, it's a little it's bit more sunshine than Fear Agent, but the art alone is worth it. Great uh, art. Yeah, and they got some really fun characters in this. And yeah, it's very cool and very intense. And yeah. Great father-son story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because they have all of these sea creatures in space. So there's like space whales and space sharks and things like that. And they're swimming through space. Hence the title of the thing. Um I don't know what it is with me, but if it was underwater, like if it was an Aquaman story, no interest. Yeah. Because it's in space, suddenly I am completely engrossed in the story. You I, hate don't, I don't know if you, you feel love You space. hate the ocean and he I hates do. islands? There you go. Wow. Wow. We'll never get together, Pete. Yeah. This is a star-crossed lover story. Yeah. Yeah, I like both. You know what? Hang Let's in. meet down at the dollhouse. Oh, no. No. Last one to talk about Superman number 17, again from DC Comics. This is a prelude to the truth storyline. Yes. As Superman is dealing with the fallout of Event Leviathan, we are gearing up for him to tell everybody who he is. What do you think about this issue? 
Uh, I like this issue a lot. Um, I didn't, uh, only in the latter half of the issue was I like, I remembered it was leading up to him revealing his identity. So I like sort of the setting the Superman world, the art by um, uh, McGuire, Kevin McGuire, I believe, is great. Like really good Superman art. Um, I'm not super excited about this whole Clark Kent reveals that he's Superman thing. Yeah. Um, But I feel like they make a good argument for it in this issue, even though I am on board with you as well, where it it just doesn't feel necessary. I I had a hard time of like, uh, you know, mom and dad fighting there. Like when uh, uh, Superman and Lois are fighting about the box. They're, They're not your parents. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's you know. The, yeah, you you didn't actually fall to earth. You just fell on the sidewalk the other yeah. day. <laughs> that's fucked up, man. <laughs> hey, I did. Uh, the yeah, I just it was almost cringeworthy when they were kind of like arguing and figuring stuff out. Uh, but I did like where they landed. Um, yeah, I don't know. The art is it's it's cool. It's a different kind of look for Superman, but uh, it it's also doesn't feel like Superman a little bit. The art itself? Yeah. Uh, Kevin McGuire, uh, famously, not necessarily the Justice League in those books, um, and the Justice League with yeah. Blue Beetle and So Booster this is Gold. a long way of saying you're wrong. Sure, sure. No, I, I just really like it. It's yeah, yeah. fun. It's, it's fun good. art. Yeah. If you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about comics. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Islands in the stream. That is what we are. You're scaring Pete. I know. He's crying. <laughs>